Hello and welcome to Front Page Fantasy. My name is Jay Collin and I'm going to be hosting this series for Front Page Football where I discuss both A-League men's and women's fantasy football. In this first episode, I will briefly introduce this podcast and then I will go into how to actually play A-League's fantasy, going to some of the basic and key rules. Then in the second half, I'll be joined by Front Page Dub co-host Cody Ojeda where we will discuss some of the interesting and new player prices heading into the 2023-2024 season. Hello all and welcome to the first episode of Front Page Fantasy. As I stated before, my name is Jake Holub and I'm going to be hosting this series where I'm going to be trying to, as regularly as possible, host this podcast. I'm planning to do two episodes in the pre-season where I'm obviously going to be previewing the upcoming A-League season. And then during the season, and depending on how I go with both work and university, as I have other commitments, I'll try to get episodes up as frequently as possible where I will be discussing sort of the coming season and you know, all the interesting points that come along with that. This first episode is going to be relatively basic. I'm just going to sort of use this as a reminder on how to actually play A-League's Fantasy, as I'm sure many people will play, for example, Fantasy Premier League or other forms of fantasy where the A-League's Fantasy works differently and there are different rules. So I think it's always good to have a nice little refresher on how some of these different rules work. So where better to start than knowing how to build your team in the first place? So it works very similarly to, for example, FPL, which is a key sort of comparison I'm going to draw here, as I think that's very common to play. Um, you select 15 players for your team. This is made up of two goalkeepers, five defenders, five midfielders, and three forwards. And you have a salary cap of $4 million. With this $4 million salary cap, you use it to, of course, purchase players. And the prices can be very varying. At the top, you have Jamie McLaren, who's priced at $579,000. Then on the opposing end, you have, let's say, your third-choice goalkeepers that are priced at $150,000. So it's totally up to you on how you spend your $4 million, balancing between maybe your key star players and your solid squad players that might be priced a little bit cheaper. In terms of trades, you're allocated 35 trades throughout the season, where you can make three changes per week if you use your trade boost. Then you have point scoring, which varies quite differently from, let's say, Fantasy Premier League, where there are a lot more factors that go into point scoring. I'm just going to give a quick list here, and of course, each of them will allocate different scores. This is all, by the way, available on the Keeper website to sort of see how much points are allocated for each statistic. So it goes from goals scored, own goals, goal assists, shot on target, clean sheet, goal conceded, goalkeeper shot safe, penalty save, goalkeeper, penalty missed, penalty conceded, key pass, accurate cross, successful dribble, tackles, aerial duels one, clearance, dispossessions, block shots, interceptions, yellow slash red cards, and finally minutes played. This provides the ability for players that may not get as many goals or assists as others to be more effective, which is not the case in Fantasy Premier League. Another key point to note are there are no wild cards in Fantasy A-League. Obviously, this is quite a key and staple of Fantasy Premier League with the triple captains, bench boosts, etc. In A-League Fantasy, this is not a thing. As I stated just before, there are many, many more rules to go through. However, I don't want to take this up too long as it can be quite boring and tedious. So if you're interested in learning more about A-Leagues Fantasy, I recommend again going to the Keep Up website, signing up to A-Leagues Fantasy, and there you can read some of the rules on how it works. 
Anyways, without any further ado, I'm going to be joined by Cody Ojeda now. All right, I'm joined in the second half of Front Page Fantasy, Episode 1, and I'm joined with the one and only Cody Ojeda. Cody, how are you doing today, mate? Man, that's a stellar introduction for myself. I still, I never see myself as like an expert of things or someone that you introduce as like the one and only. I'm still getting used to that part, but thank you for that. I am doing fantastic. Been long, long weekend, very busy, but um, fantasy is coming back. I am very excited. I actually want to last a full season for once because, you know, 10 years of fantasy Premier League and I usually never last longer than the 10th round. Yeah. And unfortunately, last year, I'm sure you would have dealt with it as well, but that um World Cup break, I think, yes. threw a hell of a lot of people off and trying to do the women's one. And I'm sh- I can't remember if you were with us by this stage or not during the World Cup last year, but um, mm-hmm. our content was through the roof. So it was like trying to balance everything mm-hmm. nuts. But yeah, definitely want to make sure I last all 26 rounds this year. Yes. 22 for the women's, of course, but hey, you can only try, can you? That's uh, it. Uh, I had the exact same problems with you, that damn World Cup break. You know, it, uh, it, it, it hit screwed us all it. over. It really did. It really did. We're too busy, you know, cheering on the, the Socceroos and their amazing results. And we completely forgot that, you know, we still had, for me, I had Nicholas D'Agostino who moved off the Viking. So, and he was my starting striker. And then I had Nanny who, who just did an ACL. So, uh. You know what? I actually think I had that same issue. I'm pretty sure I had D'Agostino <laughs> up top. I don't even, I, I can't remember what it was like after round six, but I remember D'Agostino was in my team at some stage. And yes. I don't know if I removed him after that transfer. So. Yes. And I'm sure you were seeing those players that are still in fantasy at the moment that aren't actually in the league anymore. I'm sure we're going to get that t- into that very soon. That, that's a perfect segue, actually. So we're going to go into the uh, first, the men's fantasy. And I think a quick disclaimer I want to say to anyone building their teams right now, make sure to go back and check because there are quite a few players that are, for example, not included. Uh, a notable one was Fabio Gomez, the new Sydney FC striker. He's not currently in the game. And one notable one that's currently one of the most selected players in defense, because he's so cheap. I think he's 150,000, which is the cheapest for a defender in Jordan Elsie, who has, I think, spent about half a season in India. So, uh, probably not the best call to make at the moment for A-League fantasy, considering he will not play. So be very, very careful, but hopefully they'll be updated, you know, progressively as the season goes. No, of course, I can't believe they've left Elsie. Like, I can understand if it's someone that slept in the offseason. But Elsie's been gone for a little while. Oh, no, because he only just left this offseason to go to India, didn't he? Yeah. He went but- to Perth halfway through last season. Yeah. But even then, that was a transfer that was done, what was that, May or June or something? Uh, like, he, you're talking a few months. I think he, he played one Australia Cup game with them and has left since. And then you have, for example, Craig Goodwin, who's only left very recently. He's, of course, not in the game. So that's just- Oh, look, if they, if they one. forgot about that one, that's the high profile <laughs> player. Otherwise, that's everyone's putting him in the side. He's, yeah. he's one of your first picks, depending yeah, on how a, much he's costing, Elsie, of course. I know him. You know, he's he's very cheap. So, I don't blame anyone, but anyone listening, if you have Jordan Elsie on your team, I'd recommend Get rid of him. him. And I noticed another one, for example, was I think Jared Carluccio was still on Western Sydney when he's, of course, just moved to Perth Glory. So I know with the women's, they've still got, there are still a few players on the women's side that actually haven't been included yet, either that or I've just missed it when I've tried to build my team. But um, yes. look, obviously we've still got a few weeks till the league starts, so we'll give them a grace period. We'll give them some leeway. Let's hope that's uh, that's sort of cleaned up a little bit. But anyways, without further ado, let's sort of go into some of the prices this season. So I think starting in goals, a couple of very interesting ones here. For example, Lawrence Thomas is currently at top. Makes sense. He had an incredible season for Western Sydney as they were amazing defensively. $350,000. Last season, he was set at $200,000. That is a 
nearly two times jump. You know what? I remember seeing that price last year, and I was like, that's it. That's like the bargain buy for your team, especially in goals. Like, you, everyone knew it was going to be a quality keeper. I mean, the guy was a soccer is for Christ's sake. One, it 100% deserves to be the most expensive goalkeeper in the game so far. But, um, yeah, like you talk about that jump. You look at how he played last season. It's colossal for the Wanderers. So it, it does make sense in a way, I guess. Oh, for sure. But I think after that that game against Brisbane, it is looking a little shaky. Conceded four to Brisbane. So we're going to have to see. But anyways, moving along, we have the likes of Philip Curto in second. But one that's really interesting was Jack Duncan. He's currently the third most expensive goalkeeper. He's not even going to start. Yeah, well, that, that's the exact point I made. In um, He only played because they base it not on total points. They base it on average points. So he played only 16 games, which is roughly a bit over half of the games. But he had a very, very high average. So he's been placed as the third most expensive goalkeeper. He, and look, that's one that I would not recommend anyone going for him. Like you're talking, Paulson, it looks very much likely that he's going to be the starting keeper this year. Yep. Well, both are um, Australia Cup games. Duncan was on the bench. Paulson's in. It was a signing I'm surprised they even made in the first place. I feel like they probably just needed an experienced head, I guess, for Paulson to learn off. But mm. it looks like Paulson's going to be the main keeper. And if you're back in Wellington to go far and do well this year, that's actually probably who you'd be looking to put in your side as well because he'd be bloody cheap at the moment too. Yeah, I, I can't even find him at the moment. Yeah, he's he's very, very cheap, Alex Paulson. So I think that's one, two. Yep, he's at $155,000, which is one of the cheapest keepers in the game. So Definitely one of the cheapest starting keepers, surely. Oh. Absolutely. And actually with that, another really one that I've currently have in my team, it may change, but Tom Hewitt-Bell, $155,000, another very, very, very cheap goalkeeper who looks like he's going to start for Western United this season. Honestly, he's someone that I think people have been screaming out for ages for him to really get a move somewhere where he can take that number one jersey. He's deserved to be starting keeper for ages. And this is just kind of general chat about him and his career in a sense, but mm. like it, it does translate into fantasy as well because you look at him. Decent starting price. Here's someone whose value is only going to increase as the season goes on. You look at how West United built their side this season. Obviously, they're going to want to improve from last year. Aloisi's sides, when they're at their best, are definitely defensively resolute. He's going to get those clean sheet points. I don't know if they have the back line in front of them to withhold an opposition taking up their chances. So I, see, I think he'll be in a position where he will have to make a number of saves a game as well. So you're kind of getting the best of both worlds in that, in that sense as well. He won't be, how do I say it? He won't be the type of keeper that gets um, Lawrence Thomas level points. But for his value, he's going to be really good, I reckon. Definitely want to watch out on, especially if Wesley United, obviously after big blip last season, can return to that sort of defensive solidity that we saw in their time-winning season. Because uh, that just completely went out the window last season. They're one of the worst defenders in the league. And I think it comes from having players like Lacroix who didn't look like they wanted to be there. Now you've got a side, you've got Tomoki Mai there as well still. You've got players that are the crux of that, that resolute defense. They had Risden, Garuccio. You've got that in front of someone like Hewlett Bell, who we all know is quality. Mm. He's, he's picking up points. I think that's, that's, at the end of the day, that's all you can say. He's picking up points for you. So I think a lot of people would be stupid not to put him in the side. Yep. Well, we'll see. I think I've currently got him, but. It was a little bit of a shaky performance against Sydney, but anyways, we're not going to go into that. We're going to, let's go ahead and move into the defenders. So another West United player here, someone's very, very consistently great in fantasy, Josh Riston, currently just under $400,000, which is very expensive for a defender, but it's Josh Riston. Oh, yeah, no, you're talking about probably arguably the best right back in the league, at least one of the most 
top performing ones, one of the most consistent right backs in the league over a number of years as well. He would have been the right, the defender that got the most points in the league last year as well. And the way West United play, the way he's able to go forward, you know, you kind of expect that from him, I guess. And it tracks back to that conversation we're having about Hewitt Bell. West United look like as a club, they're going to be a lot better this year when they're at their best. They are defensively resolute. So you've got someone like Risden who, yeah, he's going to be picking up those clean sheet points as well. But he's also the type of player alongside Grucho. They like to get four. They like to create chances. They'll get assists on the board. They'll get, in terms of defenders, they'll be up there with the most chances created, at least in that position on the park. He's the sort of person, the only thing that would throw me off with him personally is the price. I'm like, you've got to decide if you want to spend 300k plus on a defender. Usually you save, you want to save your money for your strike because you want it for a McLaren, you want it for a Borello. But if you can work your way in, you're, you're, getting, you're getting points out of it. It showed last year. Mm. Interestingly, Western Sydney absolutely clog up, obviously after a great season defensively, but clog up the top. They have Marcelo, Clisby, Clare. <laughs> All there in the top five, which is very interesting considering, for example, someone like Gabriel Kler with Aiden Simmons coming in, who I think sits just behind as well at 300,000 as well. So would you be going for Western Sydney defense this point? Oh, Western Sydney defenders are, they're, they're, once again, it's guaranteed points. Western, they're probably the best defensive side in the league and they showed it last year as well. It's um, an interesting one. I remember setting up my team last year. Marcelo was the one that everyone kind of knew was going to be a colossal signing, and he showed as well. He was the main reason why Wanderers were able to keep the goals against as low as what they did, but you have someone like Marcella next to him who was, I wouldn't say half the price, but significantly cheaper than what Marcella was, Yes, and he was picking up almost similar points. Obviously, Marcella's not there anymore. It'll be interesting to see who comes in to actually partner Marcella at the back there, mm-hmm. because, you know, I know in the last Australia Cup game, sorry, I'm thinking of the one against Adelaide, where it was Bonatig, I know Donny Gurditch could be one in there. And if that's the case, you're talking a starting defender in a strong defensive side who's just over 200k. So you're talking that's, you know, you're getting good value for money there. If he's, if Wanderers are able to uh, produce a defensive display as they were last year and looking at their side, I know they did lose 4 2 in Brisbane yesterday. So it's probably not the best timing of it, but I do think they're going to be a solid side this year again. I think that's just a blip in the road. Mm. They won't concede a lot of goals this year. If you can get a good uh, Wanderers defender playing week in, week out for 200k, if Goodrich is going to be that guy, you'd put him in your side, wouldn't you? I think that's the key in fantasy this year, which is essentially finding that fourth defender for Western Sydney, whoever it is, because they should play consistently and they'll get pick up clean sheets, no doubt. Anyways, moving into the midfield, Jay O'Shea absolutely dominates everyone here. He's in 550,000 where everyone else is just around 400k, the likes of Ryan Kiddo, who's interestingly being put as a midfielder again even though he's you know, pretty consistently plays as a left-back. And then Jake Brimmer, Berengay, oh, and then we have some really interesting ones in Tolge Arslan and Saki, who have been the two centre mids starting for Melbourne City this season have been killing it. They look like probably the picks to make this season. I was actually looking at the percentage of people that own those two already, and Arslan is, I think, 20% of people have already put him in, in their side, and Saki is at three. And I understand Arslan, by the looks of how... Melbourne City of play, he looks like he's going to be the one that's going forward, creating a lot of their chances, kind of that Barangay replacement. But Saki, similar price, if they're getting similar points as well, it'll be interesting because you look in that sense where it's not just about, okay, you're getting value for money, but if you've got a player that's picking up those points that no one else is, 
It's um, I think the best example that I can give it to is if you go to the Fantasy Premier League, Haaland obviously is the one that picks up all the points there. But when 90% of players have him in their squad each week and a captaining him each week, he can pick up 40 points that means shit because everyone else is getting those 40 points. If Saki is able to go out and get a lot of points this season and no one's thought to put him in their side, you're getting points that no one else is. It's risk versus reward. There's probably, there is definitely a reason why people are leaning towards Arsenal, and that's because he looks like more like the live wire. He looks like the one that's going to get forward, get in the box, and actually create the chances for Melbourne City. But if Saki can take some of that responsibility as well, and if he's just generally a good player, it may, it doesn't become a thing of what his value looks like there. But, we're getting points in that scenario that no one else is going to. So I think that's also an interesting option. It's interesting, actually, you mentioned the positions that they've got people in weird areas. I know Kiddo, he's obviously a natural midfielder winger. That's where he kind of broke through. He's only just been moved to left back because Adelaide don't have a left back. Mm. But um, in that case, Jack Rodwell is listed as a defender. Mm. He's technically not a natural defender. So I'd love to know the. I, I would be intrigued to know what the criteria is for why why they put people in certain areas. Because Ryan Kiddo, if he was listed as a defender, obviously his attacking attributes are what makes him stand out. He'd be everyone's first pick. But now you're going up in a midfielder. How are you supposed to pick him over a Jay O'Shea, Davila, Asan Saki? It, it kind of renders him useless. That was my thinking heading into last season, but he ended up being, even as a midfielder, one of the top scorers last season, which is pretty incredible for someone that places a left back. So I think that's. Oh, yeah, of course. He's, look, he's, like we said, the role that he plays in a team, he is going to go forward. He's going to pick up points as well. So he's obviously not a bad option to have. I wouldn't go that far to say. Mm. But would you want, would you pick him in your side over, say, a Jay O'Shea, Davila, who are at similar prices? It's definitely more of a risky pick, but that, like you said, it could be a good differential because I think, yeah. Particularly how Adelaide are looking coming into this season. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I think in a way it's probably better. He isn't listed as a defender, so he doesn't cost all those, <laughs> those um, you know, goals conceded points. You know, because he's a midfielder, he maybe gets a bit of protection from there. But anyways, I think the most interesting point heading into the season is Jamie McLaren, $579,000. That is very expensive. I did some math. I'm not the best mathematician, but... To convert it into FPL, obviously, because here it's a four million budget. In Fantasy Premier League, it's a hundred million budget. By timesing it, I think it was twenty five times. I don't know. I'm not great at maths, but the equivalent would be him being fourteen point seven million. I think it was when Haaland is priced at fourteen million. So I think that just shows how dominant Jamie McLaren is, and he's still the most picked person. I think. It- I mean, when you're scoring twenty five plus goals a season, you can't blame people for it. It's one of those things where it's. It's risk versus reward. You could put him in your side, he's going to pick up a lot of points, but what are you giving up in that sense? Are other players in your team going to be able to make up for where other people might have an even spread? If there's an attacker that I actually want to mention a little bit, I think it's Antonson because you've yes. got Pirello in there who I think is only a little bit less than McLaren. He's still above that. He's around 500,000. Very expensive. Yeah, he's, he's still at that um, half a million mark, whereas Antonson's closer to the somewhere between 320 to 380. I can't remember it off the top of my head exactly. 340, yeah. But Borello picked up a number of points last season, and he only really came into it maybe for the last two-thirds of itself. He was consistent the whole way through and was in a role where he could be more effective from the start. It makes you think how many points he's going to pick up himself. But you look at how the Wanderers head into this season, you could look at it in a sense of if Borello's starting in a position where, like from the start of the season, going to be in a position where he can affect games and pick up those points, he should be smashing out of the park what he got last year. But now he's no longer going to be the main man up front. 
He's got Antonsen coming with him. Antonsen's going to take a lot of that load. And you look at how they're playing the Australia Cup. That guy is brilliant. So if you're talking about someone who, and I, I remember I was obviously with FPF at that Wanderers Adelaide game, talking to Pierius after the match. And even he said, Antonsen, I asked, I asked him personally if Antonsen could really be that 25 goal a season striker. And he said, like, the way he's come into training, the guy's clinical is a machine. You've, Wanderers have a very good player on their hands. And now we're looking at it from a fantasy point of view where this guy's only 300k. He's 200k, almost maybe even 250k less than what McLaren is. Mm. But there's an argument that he could score a very similar amount of goals. So. You've got 200k that you could put elsewhere that you could put towards a Jay O'Shea if you want him in there as well. And you're going to get a similar output in terms of points. So that's someone, and it's probably good to get on him early because if he starts the season off the way he started the Australia Cup off, his price is going to go through the roof very, very quickly. So round one, he's probably, even if he, you know he's going to get the, get those goals eventually. So I'd be getting him in your side early because if you don't get him in early, you're running that risk of he does have that fast start. And by the time you go, okay, yeah, this is a guy I need in my side, he's at your 400, your 450s, I'd be moving for him very quickly. Well, that that's the key thing, I think, with a lot of the new signings because they don't sort of have those points based on last season. It's essentially up to the people that run this to price them. So they tend to do it a little bit lower. I think you'll notice um, they tend to be the best picks, the likes of Brian Kaltak, Zavada, Arkham Tulio. They were super, super cheap going to the season. I think those that picked them up and maybe took a punt on the players that haven't proven themselves at the A-League level yet they were the ones that really, really, you know, benefited from that. It shows the people that really do their research into the into the new signings because someone that is, obviously we've seen Antoine Sinny in the Australia Cup, but let's just talk about last season where if someone was including Tulio from the start, they would have had to do their research. They would have had to see that Tulio was going to be this really effective player for the Mariners and mm-hmm. central to what they were able to do. And, you know, there were times even last season where people might have questioned whether Tulio was good enough to really be that player for the Mariners, but he proved to be that guy in the end. So. It, it, the first few rounds will separate the people that are just basing it off what they've seen last year and people that are doing the research into who's coming into the league this year because those guys are going to get some very, very good bargains very, very quick and pick up some good points. Well, and I think a very interesting point based off last season is we didn't have the likes of the Asian Champions League and the Asian Cup. So the likes of Melbourne City, MacArthur and Central Coast, they all do have Asian games to play during the start of the season, which potentially could pose some questions and some interesting sort of points in team rotation. Because obviously you'd be surprised if, you know, these players could play an A-League game and then fly over to into Asia and then come back to play the same game. So we're probably going to see a bit of rotation there, which does make a lot of, you know, like some McLarens, you know, maybe they don't play every game. It's interesting what you raise um, in terms of, how, um, how they're actually going to balance it. What I've seen in the past, at least before City, obviously in their last ACL campaign, and Sydney FC in that same ACL campaign mm. had to go in a hub wherever they needed to go in um, Thailand and Vietnam. But before that, I tended to find they saved their strongest players for the A League. They actually used the ACL to blood a lot of their younger players. You find, I think, in that period as well. I know Adelaide did it with. Um, I think it was Lachlan Brook. A lot of the a lot of the young younger players um Perth did it with um Josh Rawlins as well. The young players actually make their break in the ACL. So you might find the stronger players aren't that I won't say they're losing game time in terms of what they're gonna get in the A League. Obviously they may not be playing ninety minutes every week when it comes to City, someone like Jamie McLaren, they're obviously gonna want him playing as much as they can in the ACL. They'll want to go as far as they can. It'll be interesting to see how I think Mariners will be the most interesting one in that regard, how 
they balance their squad their squad because in the A-League, they definitely have to back those younger players. But it would be interesting to see where those younger players fit if they'll see more game time in the A-League or the Champions League. And I think in that regard, we're a little bit lucky that we will get those f- uh, few weeks that they play their, AC- their ACL or um the, I uh, can't even remember, the AFC Cup, bloody hell, I almost forgot what the tournament was called. But um, I think it's lucky that we're going to see kind of their mentality to those tournaments before the A-League starts. So maybe that'll give us a bit of an indication into how many minutes um certain players are going to get across the league and in Asia, we'll see how they balance it. Um, But yeah, I think that it, it raises an interesting point. I don't know if it'll be as prevalent, but yeah, it's definitely, a con- it'll definitely be something that impacts everyone, at least in those first few rounds of fantasy. And I think even a thing I've just thought about now, there's no Monzi at Central Coast. Like Central Coast, well, yeah. I think we're very, very confident in like, okay, they're going to be great. Monzi is building here, but they don't actually have a coach now. Like, how do you approach Central Coast Mariners like with the AFC Cup, of course, and now no Monty? It's something that I was actually thinking about trying to build my side because the way I see it, at least, if I think a team's going to make the six, I want at least one player from that side in my fantasy team. I don't know how I see the Mariners now going into this season. Mm. And obviously, Monty's a big part of that. It'll depend on who comes in. And I think the most interesting part will be that next person that comes in. Will they hold those same values about giving, about, um, youth development, really giving those young, younger players that pathway into the first team? Because that'll impact who you then put in your side. Like, I look at, you know, you've got the midfield four at Mariners. There's four young center mids. Who's to say a manager comes in and finds a free agent somewhere, goes, yep, I'm going to knock one of these younger players further down the pecking order, bring, um, uh, an experienced head and center mid in. Uh, it's definitely going to be interesting. I think maybe, if you don't think they're going to have as good a season, you don't take the risk with some of their higher-rated players. I know Kowal is somewhere around the 340k yeah. mark. Very I'm looking at him yeah. thinking, I don't, I don't want that in my team for that price. You can get Antonsen for 20k cheaper. You go for that. It, it'll definitely be interesting. It'll be. It does come down to who's going to come in next. I look. I'm not going to say I'm going to avoid the Mariners altogether. I know if there's someone that I'm putting in my side, it's probably Maxi Ballard. Um, plays alongside Nisbet. It depends if he's actually going to be. That partner for Nisbet in midfield, of course, but we'll play the same amount. If he, if he is, we'll play the same amount of minutes, most likely pick up the same amount of points and you're getting it for almost 60k cheaper as well. So that's probably my pickup for the Mariners. But I think until we know how the club's going to operate this year and how they're going to look, I probably will avoid those more expensive players to start off with. Yeah. Well, I would love to go on about this all day and we will. We have more time in the preseason. We're going to go. A crazy episode where we're probably going to go for I don't even know how long into every single team analyzing everything. But unfortunately, we 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 want the listener to you know sort of live their life and not hear about fantasy for hours and hours. But it's time to get into the dub now, Cody. This is especially the reason why I brought you here, as I'm sure me along with many other fans watched the Women's World Cup and I think have just been like, God damn, I want to watch this game now. You know what I mean, and I think especially you know the likes of Courtney Vine staying around after her incredible campaign. And even Tamika Yalla, for example, signing back with Brisbane. It's going to be exciting to watch the dub this season. It'll be exciting to see how it goes in fantasy as well. Obviously, more people interested in the dub means more people are going to be playing fantasy. Mm. Competition increases. And like I said before, how in terms of looking at those visa signings, yeah, it'll, it'll separate the people that kind of just base their opinions off what they saw last season and those people that really do those that their research into who's coming into the league this year. When it comes to the dub, it'll be that difference between the ones that you know, have either watched the dub religiously for a number of years now, as well as a sound understanding of those that are coming in and those that 
you know, maybe are just picking it more off vibes and, you know, trying to get those familiar players that they saw in the World Cup. Mm. I can imagine Courtney Bryan's going to be a popular person despite being extremely, extremely expensive. Well, well quickly on that, it's... though, I've I've noticed that Claire Hunt is one of the most picked players, and of course, she has moved to PSG. So that's another one there. Be careful and do your research when you... I hope it's people that have maybe done it before she's made that move and not, not seen it all together, because it's also a massive move for Australian football. Like, we have a player going from the Wanderers to PSG. Like, people shouldn't be missing that. So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I hope it's people that maybe the moment it went live on Friday went, yep, I want Claire Hunt straight away and didn't realize that she was actually on the move, which I guess a lot of people could have seen coming. But, you know, those people really need to get the team edited very quickly. I don't expect her to be scoring a lot this season for the Wanderers, but who knows? Who knows? But anyways, I think a very interesting thing I've noticed about the women's compared to the men's here is it's a little bit more balanced. Like you have McLaren, who's 580,000 around there, and the highest currently is Riley Basin at just over 514,000. Um, well, Riley Basin is an interesting one because I don't know if she's playing in their league this year. Yeah, well, she I, I, was at Perth last year. She did her ACL, went back to America. I haven't heard any talk about whether she was meant to be coming back to the club, what was going on there. I Look, maybe this episode will come out and I'll look really stupid because she's got preseason picks at Perth. But um, I think that's a question for um our WA correspondent, Matt Olson, which I'll be having a conversation yeah. with him about very, very soon. Yes. But... She's, you've said it now, she's the most expensive player in the game. I don't know if people are actually expecting her to be in the competition this year. Yeah, wow. Well, that's information there because I, I think it is at times harder to come by info in the dog. It's not covered as much. So. Oh, honestly, some of the clubs are, te- and that's the thing. Obviously, the A-League Women's is going to be starting earlier. Fantasy's gone live at the same time, but there's clubs in the um, A-League Women's that technically have only announced that they've got 10 players on their roster. Obviously, they've got more people who are training in preseason. But we're left to kind of pick out those players and go, oh, okay, who's actually training with the club? Who's there that hasn't actually been officially announced? So you're scavenging to find who's actually playing the competition this year when technically, you know, maybe only 10 players were announced and you can't field a team with that amount. So it's, it's a little bit ridiculous. I'm intrigued to see how it shapes over the next few weeks. I'm hoping a lot more clubs are a bit more forthcoming with who's actually in their playing squad for the year because it's hard to, like, I've built my squad already for the A-League Women's Fantasy, but it's hard when you don't actually technically know who's going to be playing in said A-League Women's competition this year. Well, as, you know, maybe someone that doesn't know as much, a lot of what I've done so far is literally just based on some of the stats I've seen last season, some of the goals, assists, tackles, etc., what are some of your like really cheap picks that go from 200k to 400k? There's a few actually, and that look, it comes from, and you mentioned it with the men's, a lot of those players that, you know, either have come into the league this year or maybe, um, didn't pick up as many points as what they should have last year or maybe picked up too many points as what they should have last year in Jack Duncan. Um, yeah. there's, it's the same case with the women's. And I think the best example that I've seen so far is Tori Tumuth, who's just signed for Sydney FC, didn't play in the A-League women's last year because she was out with an ACL injury. But the season before was fantastic for Melbourne City um, at the heart of their defence. I'm intrigued to see what kind of role she plays in Sydney FC's back line this year. Obviously, Nat Tobin and Charlotte McLean are both there who were Sydney centre-back partnerships last year. I've seen some people say Tori Tumuth might shift to right back to fill in because obviously they've got to replace Charlie Rule, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's Charlotte McLean shifting out there and Tori Toomer's coming in, but either or, she's still going to be at the heart of the Sydney FC defence that a lot of people don't score very often against. So you know she's picking up those clean sheet points, and out of Sydney's main starting back four, 
she's by far the cheapest, 160k, and you're getting someone that you know is going to pick up points. If I'm sticking with the back, uh, Chelsea Bliss is someone who's just signed for Brisbane. It's the exact same price as Tori Tumuth. I don't know if she pick up the same amount of points, but she's only really so low because at City last year, she obviously had a lot of competition in front of her, whereas she's going to Brisbane now. I would pick her to be a starting player. I think she'll have a very, very good season. She'll get a lot of chance to play this year. Obviously, with that Brisbane losing Jamila Rankin to Melbourne Victory as well, that's going to open up um, minutes for her to play. And when she's on the field, anyone that's seen her play, she's a great player. Good story to her as well. I think she'll be someone that will pick up a lot of points this year. And, you know, again, someone that 165K, she's only going to go up. If I'm looking at other areas of the pitch, even in goals, there's an actually interesting one here. Western United, their backup keeper last year was Alyssa Daloste. I really hope I pronounced that name correctly. Um, Cal United's goalkeeper when they were doing really well in the NPL, and I believe she was playing with them um, during the A-League women's offseason as well. Don't quote me on that. I am not familiar with the center of the universe, unfortunately, as uh, some would say. But, um, I think if Hillary Bill doesn't come back, Dallas looks well, well and truly certain to take that number one jersey for Western United. And she's currently sitting at, it would wouldn't even be 150k. You're getting someone who's got a strong defense in front of her, will get a lot of clean sheets herself, starting goalkeeper week in, week out, and it's you're getting her for almost next to nothing compared to some of the other keepers in the competition. 155k, that's what you'll get her for. Oh, wow. There's sub there's third keepers on this list that are more expensive than her right now. So it obviously will depend and you know it's a conversation that's probably a little bit more to be had closer to the season. But if nothing changes in the goalkeeping department at Western United at the moment and Bill doesn't come back, it's not just that the loss is going to fill in her spot and just do the best she can. She's going to go into that spot. And, you know, maybe this is sensationalism. This call might be a little bit going over the top. But she could very well be, at least in terms of fantasy points, one of the top keepers in the A-League. So that's an interesting storyline to play out in preseason. I'm curious to see what happens. I think that's something that's a little bit exciting for fantasy because you, you would have seen Western United's journey last year. I and mean, if you are following the A-League women's at a casual level, everyone saw the story. And it came from having a resolute defense. That's where Tocasso builds the side around. And obviously, Tocasso worked with her at Calder United. It's a goalkeeper he's familiar with. It's a goalkeeper that's performed at a very good level already. And to get her for 155K, I said it before. I can't even remember who I said it. Tom Hewitt Bell. You'd be stupid not to pick her up. Um, I'm going to move to a couple of other positions, obviously, in midfield. One person that I'd be picking up in midfield, actually, is Katie Bowler. Um, slightly broke through Adelaide last year. I can't remember what her average points were, but she's someone that you can kind of see. It's, it's a case of, how do I say this without sounding stupid? She's going to have a breakout season this year. I know she did kind of break into the first team last year, but I think this is an opportunity for her to actually... Maybe not necessarily be one of the top players in the competition, but one of the top players at Adelaide United. I expect her to get a lot more minutes than what she would have gotten last year, where she was more of an impact player. Based on who's Adelaide signed so far, I think there's going to be opportunities for her to really make a name for herself, even if it's to start off with off the bench. Maybe it's someone that you don't need to directly go and grab at the start of the season, but 170k for someone that really could make an impact at an Adelaide side who, well, let's be real, underperformed last year. There's an opportunity for her to get better. There's an opportunity for her to take Adelaide to a higher level. And if you're picking her up now for cheap before she hits that 200k mark, 
it's maybe not as big a difference as we're talking with some other players, but there's still an opportunity there to, uh, in terms of fantasy, make a bit of money, I guess. Yeah. Um, up front, unfortunately, and I'll say this unfortunately very loosely because it's going to be fortunately if it gets you a lot of points, yes. you're going to need to spend big to get the, the get points out of this part of the field. Mm-hmm. Courtney Vine's obviously expensive. Michelle Heyman's in that 300k mark. Yeah. Um, Holly McNamara's in that 300k mark. They're the two heavy hitters that I'm going for, but one person that I think actually could be making a bit of an impact this year is Mia Corbin at Brisbane Raw. American striker only just signed and she's coming off a season in Burma. I can't remember her exact stats over there. I know it's a bit of an up and down season for her, but good resume. Um, we obviously have a long history with American imports. I've argued that maybe I would like to see early clubs be a bit more ambitious in that regard and, you know, look to other parts of the world, especially considering we just had the World Cup here, but you're talking about a player that isn't just coming out of the college system, that is coming out of a Serie R level in women's football, which is no small feat. So seeing her come into the A-League and seeing what impact she can make, it may be a little bit of a risk, but if she's able to come in and fire very quickly, you're getting a starting striker for a club that is going to aim for top six for under 200k, and she's scoring goals. It's doing yourself justice, and it's a great return. Mm-hmm. Like you obviously need goals, but and if you can partner that up with Obviously, a Michelle Heyman, Courtney Vine, Hannah Keane even. If you can get that balance correctly where, obviously, invest a little bit on that side, they'll get their goals. They'll score 10, 15 goals this season. But if you've got then a 10-goal a season, obviously, when I say 10, 15 goals, they're obviously getting close to that 15-goal mark. But if you then get partnering that up with someone who's only 160K and is able to get you 10 goals, that's a good return on investment. Well, I have one for you because I've done a little bit of research here. And it is Korea Ukino from Melbourne Victory. She's just signed. I hadn't even thought of that. NPL Victoria. From what I know, which is obviously the center of the universe, shout out Joe Lynch. Um, she's had a great season and she looks like quite a good pickup and only 165k. You know what? Talking about getting a 10 goal season striker for 160k being a good return on investment. I completely forgot about Correa Aquina. Mm. And it's sad because it's someone that I've been banging the drum, banging the drum on about during the season. She's been fantastic. Mm. And, you know, it's the same thing I say with the list of the lost. And it's something I said with West United last year. You can tell how good a side is going to be, how good a player is going to be based on how they're going in the MPL. The MPL women's competition in Victoria is one of the best MPLs in the country. If you're able to perform at a good level there, there's every chance that you're going to be a good A-League player. We saw a West United where it was a core of a Calder side that won the league. People were surprised about them. Oh, this is their first season in the A-League and they were able to make the grand final. Well, it was a core part of a team that was arguably the best MPL team in the country. Now you're getting the best MPL striker in the country. She's going to pick up points and she's probably someone that 460K may even push into that 15 goal range. If she can do that, she's someone whose price is going to go through the roof very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. I probably should have brought her up first I'm still not backtracking on my point about Mia Corbin. I still think she'll be a great get. Yeah, but Correo Kina, I, that's, look, I'm probably going to sub her straight into my team after this once we're up this call. Yes. She's going straight to my side. I need to make some changes. But, um, <laughs> no, definitely you've got a good pick there. I think that's someone you've got to get in your side mm. as soon as possible too. Oh, and respect to you, Cody. After this, I am, I am replaying this whole interview and I'm going through each single person and I'm putting them in this team. First season. 
I mean, I'll, I'll, let's say I don't want to get too excited, but you know, I'm feeling confident this season. And actually, something I really, really do want to point out this season, they've introduced it, is they're doing a combined like score, if that makes any sense, from the men's oh, and really? the game together. Yes. So it, I did not know that. So for those that do play both, it's that's an extra incentive there. You know, you have a combined score, and I'm assuming for those people that do that, you know, you could be pushing up there. You know, like it'll be interesting because there's a lot of people that will play the women's and won't play the men's as well. It's not just the people yeah. that go into the men's competitions and won't um, look at the women's. There's the inverse that happens as well. So there's people, you know, like me and you, and it'll, a lot of those people will probably be the ones involved in Australian football from a media perspective actually going and doing it. So um, you will be competing for a title like that with, you know, you mentioned the guy before, Joey Lynch. That's who you're going up against in that regard. So it'll be very interesting. You test your ball knowledge out there a little bit, eh? Man, this is scary but exciting, you know. And um, actually, I'm going to be creating a league or a group, as it is, for the Front Page Fantasy group. Anyone can join. And I'm thinking of asking the sort of the viewers what they think. But what does the winner get? Oh, I think we're going to have to get Christian to sign off on something. Yeah, you know I what? I reckon. I don't, don't want to. I don't want to promise anything yet. I I think you know what. Look, Front Page. We're a growing organization. I reckon we'll get a bit of decent interest if someone's able to come on top in a competition against us, especially against us journos, I guess, I reckon they will deserve a all-expenses-paid flight, five-day <laughs> holiday to the Maldives, paid personally by Christian. Yes. Let's do it. We're I cannot wait for him to hear that. signing off here for Christian. I know Christian would absolutely agree on this. Perfect. I'll I reckon he'd love it. I reckon he'd be honoured to give that to someone. Oh, absolutely. It's exciting, but I get the fans involved. You guys get to um, play against us, testing ball knowledge against us. It's going to be embarrassing if we lose, but yeah, exactly. hey, that's the fun of it, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to be sad if we're the ones on a um, fantasy <laughs> podcast and we're getting outplayed in our competition. So we'll yeah. see how that goes. It might be more of a curse than a blessing. That will be embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very, very much, Cody. I appreciate you joining me and giving, especially on the dub, some really, really, really good insight. So it's an absolute honor to have you on. Oh, of course, man. And I'm, look, I'm sure it's not going to be the last time I talked up fantasy with you. So looking forward to more. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, thank you all for listening. And I really, really want to get feedback, whether it was on the, a reward at the end of the season, whether it's on some things to add, some things to remove. I don't know, whatever it is. But, uh, this is the end of front page fantasy episode one. Thank you all for listening and take care. Thank you.